Welcome to Just Saying, a podcast produced by and recorded at Tri-State Worship Center. Now here are your hosts, Allison Gardner and Pastor Terry Wagner. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Just Saying podcast. Um, we are here to look at life issues and current events through the lens of scripture. Um, I'm here with my pastor, Terry Wagner. Hey, Allison. Hey. What's up? Nothing much. Good week so far? Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Uh, you know, Mondays are my day to try to get the week going. Mm, get it going. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's a little anxious. Mm, mm. That's a that's a mm. good segue into our topic today. What? Yeah. So we have some really exciting uh, news today. We have our first guest on the podcast. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> My we youth do pastor, our own sound <laughs> Holly Schneider. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello. <laughs> Hi, Holly. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, my name is Holly Schneider. I am um, the youth pastor at Tri-State Worship Center along with my husband, Ryan Schneider. And um, during the day, well, technically during the night right now, I am a hospice nurse where I have worked uh, for almost 10 years. And I'm also the daughter of... Of the guy sitting next to me, which no one knows. No one can see who's sitting next to you, Holly. I am also sitting next to you. That's right. <laughs> She's not Tyler's daughter. Let's just be clear about that. Thank you. Thank yes. you for clearing that up. Yes. But today we are talking about anxiety. And uh, the reason why I asked Holly to come onto the podcast is because I know that uh, you struggle with anxiety, and that's been a big part of your testimony. So why don't you just share some of your story with that and uh, how that's affected you? So as I was thinking about really where it all started for me, I don't feel like as a child, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I really had, I don't feel like I was an anxious child. I know I had a lot of energy um, growing up, even as a teenager, I was very involved, uh, did a lot of activities, those type of things. I do specifically remember the first time I felt this anxious feeling. Now, I want to start by saying two different things. <laughs> Number one, obviously I'm not a medical professional when it comes to, you know, psychiatric issues and things mm -hmm. like that. All I can talk about is my experience and what I have dealt with. And I feel like anxiety is twofold. Uh, one, it's about what happens in the mind, but also to what happens physically in your body. First time I experienced it, I was actually getting ready to make a huge decision in my life, which ended up being a very wrong decision <laughs> um, that I actually at the time did not think was a wrong decision but I was preparing for this decision and I was up at my parents house I don't even think he was home I was with my mom we were in the garage we were getting some stuff out of the garage and my heart was just beating out of my chest mm -hmm. to the point to where I was like we need to go to the emergency room because I I'm I'm gonna have a heart attack like my heart was just, and it was up to like 160, which a normal heart rate is anywhere between 80 and 100. And so when I got there, they said, you know, that it was anxiety. It was panic. And that was my first experience with it. Yeah. And how old were you when that happened? That was about 10 years ago. So I was in my late 20s. Okay. 
You said something there. You said panic, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. I'm jumping in here because I'm curious. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between a panic attack and an anxiety attack? I th- or is that stealing one of your no, later no, questions? No. <laughs> I think okay. I personally think that they're one and the same. Okay. Um, usually when people are saying that they had a panic attack, it's what I would consider the worst of the worst. Like they're just in a full-blown where it's affecting their them physically that they're just not able to calm down. It's just at a level 10 pretty okay. much. Which a lot of people will start to have, you know, increased pulse. They'll have breathing problems, um, unable to just really calm their body down, which there's lots of ways to deal with that. But I would consider them one and the same. I don't really consider them different. I consider the panic attack as pretty much the worst of the worst when it comes with anxiety. Everybody's looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, and I don't think any of us around the table totally qualified to talk about it Mm -hmm. and no matter how long we talk about it we're not going to exhaust the situation Mm -hmm. my understanding is that the anxiety is an emotion the panic of that is the result of the physical result of the emotion because i mean a lot of times when you have the anxiety and it's an emotional thing over, you know, maybe something that's going on, or like Holly said, a decision that she had to make. Then I think, uh, I think if that continues, it manifests itself in panic because panic then becomes heart rate, sweating palms, you know, it's, that freak yeah. out moment. The fight or flight right. is what happens right. in, technically in your brain when that set it sets it, in, and so you're in the fight or flight. And and I want to say at the very top of this that. Uh, you know, anxiety is real. Mm-hmm. I know that as a church, as the church for thousands of years, we've kind of ignored it or acted like it wasn't there or pretended it was just demonic activity. And I think we missed the opportunity to really make an impact with people that struggle with it. So it, it is real. Um, and I do think it is an emotion, and according to the American Psychological Academy, mm-hmm, mm. a little bit of research there, <laughs> uh, that they refer to it as an emotion. But then I do think that it gets into that level of panic attack, and that's the physiology of, of all of it. Right. Okay. So um, speaking of the church... Um, my second question is, uh, why is there such a sense of division in the church when it comes to things like faith and mental illness? Because I think when we don't understand something, we either categorize it or sweep it away rather than try to find out what it really means. And so from the first century, there's been this association with mental health as demonic activity. I think from the earliest days, matter of fact, if you go back to the 1820s, Charles Finney introduced into Christianity what was called the mourner's bench. And the mourner's bench was a place where people would go uh, to get saved, to be delivered, to be healed. And that bench became known as the anxious bench. And I think that that that's kind of maybe a picture of how the church has tried to handle the situation is, you know, we want to just categorize it as something that's just spiritual. Uh, we want to somehow uh, just ignore it if we don't understand it. And I will confess, 
that early in my journey in ministry, I felt that any mental issue was a spiritual issue. I confess that. Um, but there was a defining moment in my ministry in dealing with a young man where I believe the Lord just showed me that this is, this is not just spiritual, but that some people struggle with these issues and the church has really been absent. Mm-hmm. And the reason why, I mean, that's the question. Why, why is there that divide is that I just think the church has tried so hard to stay away from psychological, psychology, psychosis, all those things, because we want to believe that there's, you know, that we can just lay our hands on somebody and just deliver them from whatever it is. You know, just believe more, just have more faith, just pray about it more. But the simple fact is that uh, sometimes we need to just take people by the hand and walk with them, you know, in, in that journey. So I think in the early years, the church didn't know what to do with those struggling. So rather than try to understand it, they just categorized it. And, and as we have become more informed, I hope that we realize that, that anxiety gives us an opportunity to really help mm-hmm. help people. Yeah, Holly, what do you think about Well, I definitely... That? I don't think it's just the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, yes, the church, but I think society in general. I mean, insane asylums were open up until the late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, our solution, which kind of what he was talking about with the church, our solution was kind of just to put it in a box, you know, and, and push it to the side. And I think the problem is, is exactly what he was saying about the physical and the mental side of it. There's a twofold when it comes to our brains. Uh, You know, if we see a bear, we have to think we're in danger in order for our body to respond. Well, most everybody does. (laughs) Those of us that have learned how to kill a bear. Grizzly Adams. Right. We have to, but those two things go hand in hand. In order for our brain to tell our hand to do something, you first have to think think to do it. Right. So it's just that twofold of the physical and the mental. And I do think it's just a lot, and I don't mean this to be negative, but just ignorance, just not having the knowledge to really deal with it. And, and we like to put the spiritual kind of icing on the cake and say, well, spiritually, that's going to take care of everything. Do I believe God can take care of everything? Absolutely. But do I also believe that God allows things in our life to help us be a testimony or um, be able to reach other people? Absolutely. So it's how are you going to work through this process and how are you going to help other people through it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So um, my next question is... Um, like like we were talking about, you know, just have more faith and you'll be healed. So if somebody with anxiety were to ask God to heal them, is there ever a time when he doesn't? Well, I, you know, I mean, you can ask that question about any malady, right? I mean, someone who has cancer, does God ever not heal cancer? Or, or I mean, I prayed for my dad who was, who. if you go back to episode one, my dad was hit by a train when I was three, totally paralyzed on the left side of his body. And there were three distinct times I remember praying for him for healing and was totally convinced that when I opened my eyes, my dad would be whole. And my dad died about eight years ago, totally paralyzed on the left side of his body. It did, the healing did not happen. Now, you can say that I was weak in my faith or that there was something wrong with me, but I believe 
that there are three answers to prayer. Yes, no, and wait. And I think in, in my dad's situation, as well as in a lot of situations where people don't receive what they consider to be healing, uh, it's in that wait mode. Now, sometimes, as a matter of fact, I'm going to go as far as saying many times, the wait ends in heaven mm -hmm. because ultimate healing is heaven. You know, I believe in divine healing. There's no question about that. But I'm also aware that for reasons that we may never know, God chooses in certain situations not to bring that healing at that moment. And I don't pretend to know the answer to that question, except for to say Deuteronomy 29, 29 says that the secret things belong to the Lord. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, but I have to say, in, in some cases, it's divine healing that's needed in a person that struggles with anxiety or, or panic attacks. But then there are, there are some cases, too, where a person needs to learn to take thoughts captive. And I, and I know that, that there's, um, you know, different levels of this. And, I, and again, I, I believe anxiety is for real. But, but there are some people that do need to learn not to worry about tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, and the Bible tells us that, uh, you know, to be anxious for nothing. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but not every person... This might get me in trouble, but not every person that struggles with anxiety has a mental challenge. Mm -hmm. Some people that struggle with anxiety struggle with anxiety because they just will not take thoughts captive. They will right. not right. allow themselves to think in, in that way. And, and 2 Timothy 2.17, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of, of power and of love and a sound mind. And the Greek word there is sophronismos, which means to discipline yourself. So I think in some cases, divine healing, yes. But in, in other cases, I'm, I'm going to say we need to learn to discipline ourselves better um, to, to avoid those places where it's fight or flight, mm -hmm. you know, just to be better at that. I think as well, and this might, I don't mean to go too deep into it, but for me personally, I feel like the healing is almost twofold. Because I do agree that a lot of it has to do with discipline of your, of your mind. But in any research that you look up anxiety, it's hard to find that it doesn't have to do with fears that either happened as a child or fears from hurts that may have happened even in adulthood. And so when you get in situations that your brain is connecting with those fears or those losses, then it starts to react. And so God can spiritually and emotionally start to heal some of those, which I have had happen in my life. And then you do get to the point to where you start to process or deal or effectively cope with things better instead of getting to that pure panic moment. I call mine my ledge because I have several people ask me, you know, what I feel like when I'm having anxiety. And I said, I feel like I'm standing on a ledge and, it, and, and it's just jump like, that's what I feel like. It's impending doom is what I what I feel when I have it. And, and let me just, just one real quick. You know, sometimes I believe the Lord heals, divine healing. I believe ultimate healing is heaven, regardless of what ends up happening to our bodies here physically. Ultimate healing is heaven. Somebody say, by his stripes we are healed. Yes. By his stripes, heaven was made available for us. And I think we, we need to you know, keep that in mind. But I also believe that, uh, you know, there are just certain times when, 
there, there was a, a, a missionary in the Congo, and I wish I could remember her name. She was there for like eight years, and she's sharing the good news with the people of the Congo. And um, she was attacked, raped, and left for dead. She, she was found, got back to the States, is recovering. She's in the hospital. And in her prayer time, she's praying, Lord, uh, you know, why did this happen? I, I, I was working for you. I was spreading the gospel. Why did this happen? And she, she felt like that the Lord spoke to her and said, can I trust you to go through this even if I never tell you why? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, whether it's anxiety, whether it's arthritis, whether it's cancer, I mean, sometimes we, we want to know the answer because that's the way our mind works. The people around this table were in church yesterday morning, so I'm not going to re-preach my sermon. But that's the way our, we think in a rational, I've got to figure this out kind of way. But God doesn't. He, he, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And sometimes he just does things and says, can I trust you to walk in the I don't know? Now, I know for some people with anxiety, that that's going to be a catalyst for their anxiety. And I'm trying to figure this out, but God said, can I trust you to walk through the I don't know? And suddenly my anxiety just you know, goes through the roof. But in reality, sometimes that's just what he does. And, and like Holly said, sometimes it's so that we can have a testimony. Sometimes it's so that we can have a better understanding when other people go through that, how we can help them. You know, I never, I was never sick. I never missed school when I was growing up. Uh, and it, it was really hard for me to identify with people that were in the hospital. Then I become a pastor. Suddenly, I need to know how they feel, and and I got a gallbladder uh, disease, and I went, uh, got pre-registered, was ready to have my surgery. There was one uh, uh, service at the church that I was at at the time that Holly came at the, at the end of service, and she's praying and uh, crying, and so I just went to her afterwards. I was like, "What's up? Everything okay?" She goes, "The Lord told me you're healed." <laughs> I called the next day and canceled my surgery. Mm-hmm. And three months later, drove myself to the ER <laughs> to have my gallbladder taken out. Holy. That had green in it. <laughs> it April well, Fool's. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. It was in February. <laughs> uh, but I believe the Lord let that happen so that I could have a, 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 a real empathy for people, a real understanding of what people go through when they're in the hospital instead of me just being able to walk in and smile at them and pray and walk out. But now I know how they feel. So some, you know, there's just so many different reasons why God does that. But ultimate healing, that I guess that's my point. Ultimate healing is heaven. Mm-hmm. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. I'm sorry. No. Um, so Ryan, my husband, recently diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Mm-hmm. Could God miraculously heal him? Absolutely, 100%. But also, Ryan does things that he has changed his life now to where he can better manage his disease. And he does things that he knows are going to make him feel better. And he does things that he knows are going to keep his sugar low. And he does things he knows that are going to help his weight and things to, you know, he went, and this no one might understand this, but he had his A1C, which is a estimate of your glucose over six months when he was diagnosed was up over 12 and his last doctor's appointment it was five which is amazing but that's because he has disciplined himself and changed 
his ways of doing things. And it's the same, I feel like it's the same way with anything, even when it comes to mental health. You have to find ways to cope. Spiritually, you have to find ways to figure out what the root of some of the issues are. I used to not be able to be in a crowd. I used to not be able to um, go and I, I hated ordering pizza on a phone. Like I just didn't want to talk to people. New things just made me a nervous wreck. And I really didn't I used to not be that way so there was a route to why all this anxiety was happening and so it was about me getting into it with God and finding out where it all came from and I feel like not that we heal ourselves but I feel like we do have some responsibility when it comes to mental illness and and mental things because like I said the brain is twofold it's half physical and half emotional it's what you're doing and thinking and disciplining yourself to do so all right, so the most common, um, you know, the other side of the argument, what I hear is, you know, the Bible says to be anxious for nothing. So is it possible for someone to really be anxious for nothing when they are diagnosed with anxiety? I think that people don't really, because of that scripture, don't really want to categorize anxiety as an illness because it doesn't say, you know, for someone with diabetes, you know, don't have diabetes. Mm -hmm. So what are you, what is your response to that? Well, I, and I, you know, specifically Philippians 4, 6 and Matthew 6, 34. Uh, let me just read a couple of translations to you about those two verses. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 from the King James Version. Be careful for nothing. It says be careful for mm -hmm. nothing. doesn't say be anxious for nothing. Okay? Uh, from the New Living Translation, don't worry about anything. doesn't say don't be anxious. I mean, when we quote a verse, that's usually the one we quote, Philippians mm -hmm. 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. Right. Yet the first two translations I've read don't even say that. Mm -hmm. Right? I think it was the NIV that introduced the word anxious there. And it, and it does says don't it does say it does say so. <laughs> it, it does, does say I'm so anxious right now. <laughs> uh, don't be anxious about anything. All right. The message, which is a paraphrase of the Bible, it's not a translation. Says don't fret or worry about anything. Uh, and the Greek there, the the Greek word there is to be careful, to take thought of. Okay, which is also from a derivative from the word uh, of being distracted. So what what the verse really means is. Don't be distracted. You know, um, Matthew 6, 34, same thing. If you read the King James Version, it says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow. NIV, therefore don't worry about tomorrow. Mm -hmm. The message, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't, don't think about tomorrow. But it wasn't until the uh, English Standard Version came along, and it says, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. So I guess my question or my answer to the question is, yes, we can uh, we, we can be delivered from or, or get to that point where we're anxious for nothing. But I think you have to define the word anxious. Okay? Anxious in, in the context of these verses just means be careful or don't worry or don't fret. Can we get to that point? Yeah, I think we can. Anxiety... Backing up to what we were talking about it, as a medical condition, I don't even know if, if those verses really even address that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's where I'm going to get in trouble, and here's where all <laughs> the theologians can, can get on me if they want to. But as far as I can tell, there are no Hebrew or Greek words used 
to describe phrases that are translated like that, to say, be anxious for nothing. I think it's just as translations have evolved, this word anxious got introduced there. And, uh, you know, in the end, 1 Peter 5, 7, just cast all of your cares on him because he cares for you. I don't worry about, don't worry about nothing. Don't, don't get distracted by things. But I don't think that those verses are talking about the kind of anxiety or anxiousness that, that we're referring to here. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to avoid the question. I'm just saying I, I don't see that that's what they're saying. I do like the translation that you referred to that, that used the word distracted mm-hmm. because one, because it ties in with with the message you've been you know talking about the last few Mondays and in certain question marks. And then mm-hmm. I used to be a big what if person, and it does hinder you. It 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 you know binds you in some way to live and enjoy your life because you're constantly worrying about well if I do this and it's the wrong choice or if I'm you know, go here and I shouldn't have, you know, what happens then? Um, again, I, I think I agree with what you're saying there. It It's kind of a, it's a kind of a two-parter question because right. it's, I don't feel medically speaking that, that it relates to it, but I do like, I do like the use of the word distraction because that's exactly what, when you worry like that, that's exactly what you're doing. You're just distracting yourself from all the good things that God might have for you. Yeah, maybe he's not giving you this one thing, but, you know, we've got to trust and believe that what he does have for us is better than, than what we could even imagine for ourselves. I think I think this is a walk of faith, obviously. Again, the, the mission of our podcast is to take issues of life through the lens of Scripture, and, and the Scriptures tell us that this is a walk of faith, not of feelings. And so to walk by faith is to live my life as though God is telling me the truth. And when he says, I don't have to be distracted about anything, I don't. I don't think that there's anything in the Bible that God instructs us to do that we are not enabled mm-hmm. to do it. Right. But see, what happens is people will take, you know, don't be anxious for anything and say that that specifically is a mental condition. Right. You know, that leads to panic attacks. Therefore, you should not be anxious for nothing. For those of you that can't see, I'm now wagging <laughs> my finger at Allison. You should be anxious for nothing. When in reality, that's, I don't know that that's exactly what that verse is talking about. I think it's talking about just keep believing and living your life as though God's telling you the truth. And, and both of you said the word, but I think it goes back to the scripture, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Even when your own understanding is faltered, you know, that's when we trust God. That's what faith is. That's when you have to say, it's not about how I feel. It's about what I believe, period. (laughs) Belief plus believer determines behavior. You cannot believe your, you cannot behave your way into a belief system. You believe your way into behaving. And it is, it is a lot based on how I believe uh, we can look at some some worldviews from other religions that would teach you that you can behave your way into a certain belief system. But the truth is you, you can't. It's believer and my belief that determines how I'm going to behave. And so I have to believe that, that God knows what he's doing, that God is omniscient, omnipotent, everywhere, all the time, all-powerful, all-knowing. 
There's nothing that happens in this life that he doesn't know about. Even when it's a surprise to me, it's not a surprise to him. And, and when I believe that, it does change a lot of the way that I live my life. It doesn't necessarily erase a mental challenge of anxiety. But again, I don't think that's what, that's what those verses were specifically talking about. And again, I know that some people could take me to task on that, and that's okay. You're, you're allowed to. Uh, twagner977 at gmail.com. <laughs> Just send your comments in. Well, I also think that at, at some point some people will take uh, Scripture... I know this is going to sound bad, but literally, but and I don't think what 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 uh, the Bible is saying and what we're saying is that you're that if you worry, you're sinning, mm-hmm. or you don't but, have enough faith. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's more the long term sure. effect of yeah. of that worry and that uh, distraction mm-hmm. if it's keeping you from, you know. Your walk. Yeah. Well, take it back to what you said a minute ago. Our, the series we're doing on Sundays is Who Told You That? And what the enemy tries to do is insert a question mark into God's instruction, his intent, and his identity for our lives. That's, that's the whole sermon series, and that's what it's about. Think about when people read, don't be anxious for anything, all right? But yet they are. In their, in their definition of anxiousness or anxiety. Mm-hmm. And then what does the devil do? How can you be a Christian and worry and worry? How can you be? A, how can you call yourself a Christian and have the anxiety that you have? And then suddenly, we take on that identity, and that is so not what God wants us to do. Right, right. Instead, what He wants us to do is take it, take it to Him, mm-hmm. take it to Him. Don't listen to the devil. Um, and and when we can learn to do that. Um, I made this comment yesterday. I think what happens to us is we are all too often looking for perfection in ourselves when it can only be found in Jesus. And someone said, be anxious for nothing. The devil says, see, you're anxious. You can't be a Christian. Listen, it's not, it's not about me. It's about him. And so I have to live my life by faith, knowing that he's telling me the truth about these things. And, and I try my best not to worry. Does that mean we don't ever worry? I mean, obviously, we all worry <laughs> yeah, about yeah. things. Um, does that mean there's a trap door that's going to open up and we're going to all slide into hell when we <laughs> worry about something? I don't. That's where we have to insert grace and truth yeah. into the equation. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to re-preach myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, as a teenager, I have noticed that there is a big increase in people with anxiety, especially in my generation, um, maybe it's just now coming to the surface or maybe it's becoming public, but that's just what I've seen, what, what I've experienced with my peers. So why do you think that is? Well, I'm sure everybody around the table has an answer, but let me just start the answer by saying, look around, look at the issues of life that young people are dealing with and the global condition, and and what answers they have. The truth of the matter is, I think the anxiety is the result of no hope. Mm -hmm. And the no hope comes from, they pretty much have been told they're here by accident, Mm -hmm. right? And again, remember what the mission statement is, life issues through the lens of scripture. But yet, 
we're being told by science and by education about you know evolution, Big Bang theory. So really, Allison, you're 17, but you're just here by an accident. You you were never meant to be here. And so when when that becomes a prevailing train of thought, obviously it's going to cause some anxiety because we all come into this world wanting to answer the three questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? But if you convince me that I'm here by accident, I don't have the answer to those three questions. And that leads me to a place of anxiousness, anxiety. As a believer, though, I came from God. Before I was formed in my mother's womb, he knew me. Why am I here? I'm here to please the Father, to do the will of the Father. In my particular case, to pastor a church and to love on a couple hundred people. Uh, where am I going? It, it, I, I'm, my belief is, my hope is, I'm going to heaven. You take those answers away from people, what do you expect them to do? They're going to get anxious about stuff. And I think that we live in a time when, uh, for all kinds of reasons, all kinds of reasons, the answer to those three questions have been taken. And, and anxiety has been called the emotion of our day. That's the emotion of our day. People are just anxious about everything. And I'm going to have to say that I think one of the greatest contributors to that is taking away from a generation where you came from, why you're here, and where you're going. Because when you do that, I, I think that, that all of a sudden you have an uncertain future in an uncertain world, and you don't even know why you're here, and you don't know where you came from, you don't know where you're going. And I don't know if you've ever been like totally lost. I have. I actually used some skills that I learned uh, in a, a class at Marshall. I pulled over to the side of the road and looked at the shadow of the tree to know <laughs> which way to go, east and west. I just, I was totally lost. I had no idea where I was at. I don't know how that happened, but, uh, and in that moment, yeah, man, freak out. But if you could relate that to a generation of, of young people that, have not been given the opportunity to answer those three questions because they've been told you were a single cell amoeba floating around in primordial soup and that thing got struck by lightning and bing, here you are. <laughs> you know, and I just, I think that that's, that's one big reason for the, the level of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Holly, what do you think oh, boy. with that big smile on your face? <laughs> As a youth pastor. <laughs> uh, pass. Um. <laughs> I feel like there are so many different reasons. I, number one, I agree with what you, you said. Well, no, that's good. Yes. <laughs> um, but, oh, man, lack of coping mechanisms. Um, we are in a generation of as you feel, so you are. And I don't mean to get into it, but if you feel like a girl today and you're a boy, then you are. If you associate with whatever, if you feel, you know, then, then so you are. And, and I don't want to get onto parents, Mm -hmm. but I feel like, I feel like it does have to do with a lot. If you go back a few generations, um, you know, if you made a commitment to something, you're going to stick to it. If you, you, you don't do sports on Sundays, you're going to church. If you, you know, it's just different. You fall down, you get a scratch, stick a Band-Aid on it if you're lucky, and you get up and you keep going. Like I said, I work with hospice. To see generations of men and women who lived in the World War II era deal with pain compared to people mm. now 
you know, dealing with pain, it's a whole different ball game. You'll see people who've been married for 60 years. I've never seen my husband take a Tylenol. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just feel like our coping mechanisms are completely different from what they used to be. It, we're, we aren't self-coping anymore. We look to other things to cope, whether it's social media, whether it's people, whether it's changing our identity, whatever it is. We're not coping like we're supposed to be. And I also think social media has a big play in anxiety because you get to present this imaginary life um, on there and then you have the anxiety of trying to either A, live up to it or B, you're upset because that's not what you are and so I think it has a lot to do with all those things, a lack of hope, um, a lack of coping which I feel like comes a lot from parenting and and social media, and we just give in to our feelings. Whatever you're feeling, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I just, I feel like that has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. I agree. And that's why I struggled with answering that, because I know those are really harsh answers, but I well, <laughs> can't it, help it's, but... It's, they're true. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, is that last week we talked about boundaries and provision and protection when it comes to sex and dating and, and those kinds of things. The, the simple fact is, is that the Lord provides for us protection and boundaries and provision. And when we get outside of that, we don't want nobody to tell us that we're, we're headed the wrong direction. We, we don't want nobody to tell us, hey, listen, that, that's probably not going to end well for you. Listen, mind your own business. I'm going to do what I do. I'm going I'm to be me. And I think sometimes it takes a little bit of um, harshness, if you want to say it that way, to get people's attention. And, and uh, the, 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 the real challenge is, is that when you, as a youth pastor, I'm pointing to Holly now, as a youth pastor, you say something to a child, you, your anxiety goes to the ceiling because you don't know when a parent's going to come back and, and chastise you for saying something to their children that's biblically based. Listen, if your child comes to Tri-State Worship Center, we teach and preach based on the Bible. And if there's a problem with that, the problem is not with Tri-State Worship Center. The problem's with the Bible, okay? And that's God's Word. And so I think sometimes we have to do that. We have to say, listen, you are headed down a road that's not going to end in a good place. And here's why. The Bible says, and you read that scripture, and, and, and let that go. And, and I, 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 I'm glad you brought up the word hope because there's this old saying that goes, you can live without water or you can live without food for 40 days. You can live without water for four days. You can live without oxygen for four minutes, but you can't live without hope for four seconds. And I think, again, that's a big contributor to what's going on is that we just have a generation that that is so that can be so hopeless. Mm-hmm. I think that the self-coping as well and the parenting part of it, and I just want to just as to kind of drive that fact in the ground. We have so many kids who are on medications mm-hmm. at such a young age now, and I know that this is going to touch a lot of buttons. He's starting to sweat. <laughs> uh, let me give you Holly's email address. <laughs> but it's so true that instead of trying to, just me personally, I have had to learn to find coping mechanisms for what I'm dealing with, whether it's, um, I'm sorry, I'm just saying, um, a lot. I'm no. on your, I'm, not, I'm on your She's pet, on my peeves. pet peeve list. <laughs> I have to learn 
how I'm going to cope with things, with change. My schedule's changed because of COVID-19. Um, we've had events for a journey, that's, which is our youth group, that's changed this year. And I am not a good dealer with change. Mm-hmm. But I've had to learn to, even VBS, it's coming up in the next few weeks, I've had to learn how to deal with those things. That takes self-discipline. And it takes me realizing those are some of my triggers that could send me down a path of just extreme emotion. But when I recognize that and I deal with it, that's one thing. When you're teaching your child that the way to deal with it is not correctly, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Popping a pill, um, you know, putting them in front of an Xbox, whatever it is that you think it's going to help them, and you're not trying to figure out their triggers and help them learn how to cope with it, then they're going to grow up to be adults that can't deal with anything. Mm-hmm. I got a, a thing, a, a meme. I guess you call these memes, right? It says, <laughs> a meme. uh, it says some of y'all weren't grabbed by the arm and whooped in a circle, <laughs> and it shows. And I, th- <laughs> I know we're not here to talk about whoopers, but... This you know, is the second I, time I, I, you brought. <laughs> I probably uh, had attention deficit disorder when I was growing up, but my dad whipped it out of me. I mean, and I'm not saying that that's not a real issue. Just like this anxiety, it's real, but I do think that coping mechanisms are something that we don't teach our our, our children. We don't teach it to them anymore, and. Um, and and again, I think you can see that even in some of the social unrest that's going on right now. You know, not everything in life is easy. Not everything in life's just going to come and fall in your lap. You, some some things you just got to work for. You got to be intent. You got to have a plan. You got to have a strategy. And, and and I think this is the same thing. I mean, we we need to learn and be taught coping mechanisms. And and in that realm, some things are better caught than taught. We need to example it, model it for kids. You know, rather than just point our finger at him and just say this is what you need to do and I know we're we're getting close to running out of time and you've got a couple more questions but man that's such a such a great topic that covers such a a vast field of people uh that I don't know if we could do five episodes and exhaust exhaust Mm -hmm. this this particular issue so I think it would be amazing if we taught prayer as a coping mechanism sure yeah well Jesus did it well right I think that in I have a I have a two year old son and I have a ten year old daughter. She's my stepdaughter, and I think that I man, when I first became a father, it was through my stepdaughter. So she's already, you know, seven eight years old at that point, and man, it was it was tough, and it still is, but it gets better. But one thing, and and even with Cash, Cash is my two year old son, and as he gets older, and as he What's the word I'm looking for? Um, progresses mm-hmm. through life. So does the way I approach parenting yeah. because he's going to get to the point where he's going to learn to self cope and to self to self uh, soothe and to you know problem solve. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing. You know, I think about this. Um, you tell you tell a child when they're when they're young, you can be anything you want to be, right? You can do anything you want to do. You can be, but at some point. That's going to change. Mm-hmm. But a lot of kids still have that mentality because they've not been shown anything different. They still think, I can do what I want to do. I can say what I want to say. I can think what I want to think. No consequence. No yeah. no anything. Yeah. And so I think as, as 
kids grow uh, and and as our, our approach approach evolves, um, that's where they're going to learn those things. And that's I don't I, and I work in education. I see that a lot. Um, kids that just they don't have that support at home. They've never been shown how to to do certain things, and and it's amazing that you you know you come across a high school kid who doesn't has anxiety about um, maybe going on a job interview or something like that to the point where they get anxious because they've never experienced anything like that. The only people they talk to are the people at home, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and or people playing Fortnite. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I'm just going to skip to the last question because we're running out of time. But to close us out, as a person who does not deal with anxiety, I have never dealt with that. That's not one of my struggles. Um, But I have a lot of friends, especially here at church, who do struggle with that. So what is the best way for people who don't struggle with it to help those friends that do? First of all, I would say prayer. Pray for them. Um, and then I would also just learn to be understanding and talk through things. I feel like that's one of the best things with my husband that he's learned with me is to talk through things. You know, when I start to get really worked up, he'll be able to tell I get kind of short. I'll start to get very emotional, start the leg shaking, you know, that type of thing. And I kind of almost start to shut down and he'll start, okay, well, what happened? what triggered this, you know, and he'll just try to just talk with me. Helping understand, one of the coolest things that has ever happened to me, and I'll make it a very short story, is realizing that a lot of my anxieties are rooted in fear, in something that's happened in my past or something that I've dealt with that has made my response to other things that are similar that response of just, it just makes me anxious or makes me not want to confront it or deal with it. So, but that took me talking things out with people to learn, not that I I needed therapy or sit down with a counselor. I probably did, but uh, just talking through the situations and just being understanding, I think is one of the really good ways and prayer, 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 (laughs) just praying for them. The one thing I will say is never make them feel like that what they're dealing with is not important because it is, because it's a real thing, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, whatever it they're dealing with, it's still important. They're still a child of God, but they just need, they need help seeing that sometimes. I, I just, I mean, all those things, yes. And I would just add, you know, just a few thoughts of my own. And that is, you know, you got to, you walk with that person in in that season you walk just be present i think one of the biggest uh, uh challenges that you have doing that is that you you can take on the messiah complex so quickly mm-hmm. in that i can fix this person mm-hmm. right and sometimes and this is one of the hardest lessons i've had to learn in ministry in my relationship with my wife in relationship with other people, sometimes I don't have to fix anything. I just need to listen. Mm-hmm. I just need to sit down, be present, listen to that person, and, and remember, and this kind of goes back to uh, the dating episode uh, using your illustration, that hope will pull us upward, but anxiety can pull us downward, pull us in the opposite direction. And, and that is a real 
issue that that needs real attention. It's a real monster. And if I'm if I'm walking with somebody that's going through that, I just need to be present. Just be present. Not try to fix everything. Just be there. Just kind of like what Holly said. What Ryan does when when uh, when she goes through those times. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was a really good conversation. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, once again, if you have any questions or episode suggestions, just send them in to uh, twagner977 at gmail.com, and we will try and answer those. So see you next time. Thanks, Allison. Thank you.